Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let me check the levels. Okay. Hello, this is Matt Hurd at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. Sorry, I thought okay. I, yeah, I was it, checking it, but I, I didn't prompt, prep, 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 to say something. I was miles away. Um, uh, this is uh, Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at uh, obsessiveviewer.com <laughs> and more of our podcasts at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And finally, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer at the minimum rate of $1 per month for an exclusive RSS feed with content recorded specifically for Patreon supporters. Uh, I'm your host, the aforementioned Matt Hurt, one of your hosts, uh, the aforementioned Matt Hurt, and I'm here, uh, okay, yeah, this is an old notes, um, and I'm here today with the other aforementioned host, Mr. Tiny. Yellow. Hi, Tiny, how's it going? It's good, man, how are you? Good, I'm doing well. Um, yeah, we are... Recording this the night of the second presidential debate that turned into two separate town halls mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, yeah, so that's fun. Um, yeah, and this is an episode about Heartland. <laughs> um, yep. Let's get right into it. For Oh, God. I'm all over the place. Okay. Today on the podcast, we are <laughs> going to be talking about some movies that we've seen at Heartland Film Festival this year. Uh, it's currently running as of this recording. Um, I don't know if I'll have this out by the time... Oh, I'll probably have it out by the time uh, the festival is still going on. So, given that 2020 is 2020, um, Heartland Film Festival is doing a virtual film festival, and... You, they have individual, uh, virtual screenings for, for individual movies. And they're also doing drive-in screenings at Tibbs Drive-In here in Indi- in Indianapolis. And, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for them because they've been, you know, working hard to adjust to that as a lot of other film festivals are, um, or have been this year. So it's, it's, uh, really, really impressive that, you know, the, the alterations that go into running something like that, um, in this new brave new world we're in. Um, (laughs) so hats off to the people at Heartland and tiny, you and I have watched, uh, some movies and we're going to discuss those movies here on this episode. Yep. Um, but first I want to hit some, uh, news or, or some, some housekeeping that, uh, that, uh, we are going to have to do here. Okay. So first up is, Heartland is going on, and on the website at obsessiveviewer.com, we are covering, uh, we have reviewed a few movies uh, from Heartland so far as of this recording, um, so I'll put links in the show notes. Ben has a couple of reviews up um, from Heartland, and I have a couple as well, um, so I'll put links to that in the show notes and, and, and everything, and also um, our very own Michael White 
um, of As Good As It Gets fame. He and his band, As Good As It Gets, have launched a Kickstarter, or not Kickstarter, Jesus, a Patreon, mm-hmm. where they're going to have, uh, they are having monthly, like, uh, perks, like acoustic, uh, acoustic songs for Patreon supporters, like behind the scenes stuff. It's really cool. Check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode. It's patreon.com. I don't know what the URL is. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on Patreon. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode. So go and support Mike. Um, basically, this Patreon that they're doing is specifically so that they so they can keep their music on the different streaming platforms for as long as they possibly can. Like that is what that is the purpose of this Patreon, and it's really cool of Mike and Dustin to to go into that uh, world of of paid content. And uh, so yeah, check it out um, on Patreon. I'll put a link in the show notes. And then also the other thing I wanted to bring up is that I wrote an essay about the mist. Did you read that? Time? I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Okay, cool. So. Um, I wrote an essay about Frank Darabont's adaptation of The Mist. Um, I wrote that for uh, our friends over at Midwest Film Journal. Uh, what they do is every year they they're kind of the thing that uh, that Midwest Film Journal does is they have series of essays uh, from a, a wide uh, swath of contributors um, that they have themed essays around. So they did like a uh, Keanu Reeves retrospective uh, called Keanu, Keanu world order. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Evan uh, did a series of essays about Godzilla called, uh, are you there Godzilla? It's me, Evan. Um, and our very own, <laughs> our very own Ben Sears is doing a series of essays about uh, happy Madison movies called happy valley taking one for the team i know and man okay so i'm so sorry ben <laughs> i swear i'm gonna do this soon but he enlisted me to do a special like uh dual kind of conversational essay kind of thing about 50 first dates and i have dragged my feet watching 50 first dates um and i'm gonna watch it soon and then we're gonna we're gonna collaborate on that and everything but like I tried to watch Fifty First Dates a few days ago, and I swear to God, it is a it is a chore to me to oh, watch. Oh, really? Yeah, to watch really any any Adam Sandler Adam Sandler movies, mm-hmm. and like it is, it, and it's I don't know. I just I've I knew in 2014 when we did Summer of Sandler Sandler that I grew out of his shtick, right, and everything, and like. To go back, it's it's like I, it's so hard for me to do that. I feel like Fifty First Dates has some charm to it, though. Um, sure, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm gonna do that soon, and then we're gonna collaborate on that. Good luck. Thank you, thank you. May but, the odds be ever in your favor. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, may, may the be very Um, Jesus Christ. Um, but anyway, um, so. One of the yearly things that they do over at Midwest Film Journal is they do No Sleep October. So the month of October, they do a lot of essays about horror movies um, and everything. And I contributed an essay about Frank Darabont's adaptation of The Mist. And it's funny, like, (laughs) I wrote it and I, like, I messaged Evan and I was like, I was like, uh, okay, it's it's done, it's ready to go. I think, um, and he's like, if you want to like sleep on it and you know, like finish it up and everything, like go ahead. Um, and I was like, yeah, I think I'll sleep on it and everything. And then I tweaked it a little bit, <laughs> but 
anyway, it posted yesterday and I'm actually really proud of it. I went back and reread it and, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of it. So check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. And check out our friends at Midwest Film Journal. They do a lot of really cool stuff. And, awesome. Uh, yeah. And um, I think that's all the new business I have. Um, okay. Yeah. Anything new with you in the realm of obsessive viewing? Uh, no, not really. Um, nah, no. Okay. It's more of a potpourri thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we'll do a potpourri section. Today. Okay. Yeah, I'll very quickly recommend uh, The Comey Rule on Showtime. Oh, okay. It aired a couple weeks ago. I think it was like a two-night event thing, mm-hmm. uh, two-episode thing. Um, Jeff Daniels plays James Comey. Oh, okay. Um, uh, director of the FBI mm-hmm. for a while. And uh, Brendan Gleeson plays Donald Trump. Oh, I've heard that his performance is very, good. Very, good. Nice. very good. But yeah, it's, it's a very, um, really nice... Um, representation of the whole James Comey controversy mm-hmm. of which I was I didn't even follow very well and I honestly didn't either. Yeah, there's been so much shit going on with this administration it's hard to remember yeah. what all happened. There's so many characters at play. Um but it's 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 a very good representation of that. It's based on James Comey's book. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's actual, you know, personal accounts from him. Mm-hmm. Um there's some very glaring stuff in there. Uh and it's it's you. You will particularly like it. I don't know if okay. you have if you have access to Showtime. I don't. Okay. Um. But anyways, it's if you can find it somewhere. It's uh. Okay. It's 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 kind of long. I think the um. It's about three and a half hours total. Okay. Over uh two two episodes, um. But it it goes quickly because it's so it's pretty compelling. Okay. Um. It's it's really good. I liked it a lot. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, Yeah. I will check it out at some point somehow. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, I was going to cut in when you said it's based on James Comey's book. um, And I was going to say like, oh, yes, uh, Comey Dogs uh, and (laughs) Chili Fries. Nice. Um, The Comey story or whatever. I can't even remember what the book is called. Well, uh... I just said it. It's Comey (laughs) Dogs. Um, But I wanted to say like, Comey is where the heart is? No, that's not. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, on that same note, not to get us on onto a tangent or anything, but um, I listened to Woodward's latest book. Oh, Rage. sweet! Really? Yeah, um, really good. Nice. Uh, well, <laughs> really good, really terrifying, <laughs> really infuriating, but like yeah. a really well done book. Um, nice. But I do want to mention that the it's incredible to me, like the 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 work of the narrator on Audible for that. I can't. I'm. I don't know his name offhand, but. It's like there's a certain skill to speaking in Trump's words mm. um, because famously, <laughs> because famously, um, Trump was interviewed like 17 times for this book. Um, you wouldn't know that from the 300 and some comments on the Facebook post I had about that <laughs> um, uh, because people that were detracting from people were detracting from the fact that he knew about coronavirus to talk about the military stuff. Um, right. Cause I had mentioned that in the Facebook post, which yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, the narrator, it's just amazing. Cause like Trump 
doesn't <clears throat> is not a, an eloquent speaker like in mm-hmm. general like he's like it's very it's putting fragmented. it lightly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> um he's 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 very fragmented and just stream of consciousness and everything and what's amazing is like these are like there are excerpts from the interviews um that are verbatim from the interviews and the narrator does a great job of intoning the um intoning that stream of conscious uh kind of kind of tone to it but also presumably replicating or approximating the tone and cadences of it so that you can really get a sense of like the inton uh, the intonation of what he's saying and everything because the interviews are all like it's recorded audio and everything mm-hmm. so it's just it's really cool to listen to the narrator just really do not do a trump impression but do a do his due diligence to narrate the book or or to incorporate the you know the tone and everything and the uh the context of tone to trump's words interesting yeah that is a fine line where you're kind of like you don't want to do an impression, but you want to get the you know the tone and all that. Right? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. that is that is totally a skill, like you said. Yeah, yeah. and especially in this context with like a, a book, it's like it's not it's not like he's you know doing an impression on SNL or anything. Right, right. It's like there the that is where the importance of it lies um, in the performance of the narrator. So, mm-hmm. so I recommend that. Yeah, yeah cool. It, it was funny because a uh, friend of the show. Aaron in the UK, he commented on one of my Facebook posts and said, said like, Oh, I just, um, I just used one of my audible credits to get, uh, to get fear by Bob Woodward, which was Bob Woodward's first, um, book about the Trump administration. Mm. And like, I, I liked the comment. I meant to go back and be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't, don't make the, like, cause he's in the UK. I'm like, right. you know, I, I feel like, this isn't indicative of the entire country, <laughs> I hope. Um, so, well, they're stuck with Boris Johnson over there. He's yeah, not as bad as Trump, but he mm. uh, what I what from what I hear, he's a little bit like Trump. Yeah, from uh, I don't know enough about him, but like every time I see him, I just like I think like this one of the best like comments I saw of someone and it always stuck with me was that every time they see Boris Johnson, he just like the way that he looks and this is, you know, probably degrading to him and everything, but it's like the way that he looks, it, it looks like he's a child who made a wish to be big. Um, <laughs> and it oh came true. <laughs> That's oddly specific. Yes. Uh. And uh, yeah, I, I might, Try to find the picture. Um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. The world is on fire. Yep. Um. So yeah. So that's cool. The Comey roll. I'll check that out. Yep. Um. Have you gotten around to? I mean, it just aired like yesterday. But have you, or maybe tonight? I don't know. Anyway, um, the West Wing reunion. No, okay. no. Um, I'm trying. So fucking HBO Max is not available on Roku or Amazon Fire. I've heard that, yeah. I I guess I'm going to have to watch it on my phone. Jesus. Well, you can download the app to PlayStation 4. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's I, 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 I have that in my... Like, Paige wants to watch. She loves oh, the West Wing. Yeah. That's down in my basement. And she's not allowed in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yep, it's my den, my dojo. Nice. Man nice. cave. I'm, I'm kidding. It's not. It's not. Um, <laughs> I, it just reminds me of a bit on the Comedy Bang Bang show. They did a sketch where uh, it was Scott Ackerman uh, doing like home renovation things. Um, it's like it's a, it, like he's it's called like a teardown. Um, and it's, it's a parody of those home improvement shows and everything. And he has a couple that they're renovating the, the man's like quote unquote man cave. And it's just like, it's like not, I mean, it's just like it needs renovation and everything. And so there's a, <laughs> there's a recurring bet like three times. I, I know I've said this on the podcast and I'm sorry, <laughs> but he's, uh, he says the phrase, uh, he incorporates this phrase three t- three or four times throughout the sketch. That's like five minutes at most, <laughs> and he's like, um, he's like, yeah, this uh, this man cave is looking more like a man's grave. <laughs> um, God. And it's like every time, ta- every like he says that, and it gets so rep- uh, repetitive. And then like one of the one of the segments, the 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 wife is like, yeah, because you know, because um. Cause you know, his, his man cave and then Scott Ackerman pops up out of frame and like pops in the frame. He's like, it's like a man's grave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. I don't know. I'll put yeah. a link in the show notes to it. But anyway, um, yeah. So the coming roll, that's cool. Um, <laughs> and I'm excited to check out the West Wing thing as well. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So Heartland. Um, Yeesh. let's get into it. So I think we're going to, we're going to talk about a couple of documentaries that we watched. Um, big news out of Heartland. Um, Heartland Film Festival, first of all, is in its 29th year here in Indianapolis. Um, it's grown a lot in those 29 years. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do under the umbrella of Obsessive Viewer mm-hmm. is to cover Heartland and everything. Like some of my fondest memories of, like the thing that we do here is going to Heartland and like doing the red carpets and the press junkets and everything. And it's, first of all, it's just heartbreaking that I can't do that this year, the same way that I did in previous years. Um, because, and I've said this before on the podcast that I kind of use Heartland as a way to push, push myself into more into into out of my comfort zone into more of a oh this is a serious thing that we do <laughs> kind of thing and uh it's a bummer that you know I can't do that the same way this year but I'm really excited for them and and proud of the show that they're putting on with the virtual film festival and the drive-in stuff so that's awesome yeah yeah so tiny you how do you feel about heartland this year and everything um, as always, they, they, I mean, it's, I'm just amazed at what they accumulate. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, so much of it's virtual and you can actually see like the list of stuff that they have, um, yeah. just all in one spot. It's just, it's, it's just awesome what they, mm-hmm. com- what they manage to compile every year. Um, and this year's no different. Um, but again, it, it is kind of, you know, one of the fun things about it is, uh, nobody ends up at, heartland by accident you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. no one's like hey should we go see a movie tonight like that doesn't happen right like, everyone's there intentionally mm-hmm. and it's it's true hardcore 
movie fans and you always talk to somebody and get to know somebody. Yeah. And it's just a shame we can't do that this year. I, yeah. Um, I love that. That and Indie Film Fest the same way. Like I, right. I remember the first time we did Indie Film Fest, I think it was the first time, like we went to like the after party after like the closing night or opening night movie. Mm-hmm. And like, like we were hanging out, we were talking to people and stuff and I was like, oh, this is, this is neat. Right. So, yeah. It's social things. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I haven't watched a ton of stuff, but I did watch these few documentaries. Nice. Um, so yeah, sweet. Um, and I just thought of doing a really. St- I'm not going to do this joke because the content of the movie is too serious. But um, I mentioned big news out of Heartland. Um, the first, I think, the first documentary we're going to talk about tonight is 76 Days, mm-hmm. and so. Big news out of Heartland. I've said this now three times. Um, <laughs> uh, M, I think MTV Documentaries or what, like some distribution arm of MTV bought 76 Days, like for distribution. Mm. So it is going to be uh, available at some point in the future. Because obviously with, with film festivals, the film festival circuit is is about like independent filmmakers getting their films seen and getting their films out there and getting like word of mouth, like, like big, like the, the big ones like can and Sundance and everything like that's where people sell their movies for, to distributors and everything. Um, and Heartland isn't Heartland. Heartland is a growing entity in the film festival circuit as, as I understand it, um, constantly growing. And it's just, it's really cool because 76 days was sold at Heartland. Like, Mm. like they, they were able, like the filmmakers sold their film at Heartland. Like I think one of the, uh, jurors, uh, screener screening jurors or whatever for, uh, Heartland this year was someone from MTV and they, they sold it through that. And I mean, it's, it's a huge kind of milestone for Heartland and I'm super excited for, for them and the filmmakers because this, documentary is just it is it is it is incredible yes so yeah um so let's talk about 76 days Mm -hmm. okay so the plot summary or the description is raw and intimate this documentary captures the struggles of patients and frontline medical professionals battling the covid19 pandemic in wuhan and uh yeah oh uh directors are uh and i'm so sorry i'm i'm gonna likely butcher the pronunciations, but, uh, I'm going to try my best. Uh, Wixie Chen, uh, Ho Wu. And this is, was interesting. Anonymous, but uh, like one of the directors is just like the, the credited name is anonymous. Yeah. I wonder what that's about. Yeah, me too. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this is a very engaging for my, for my, for my perspective documentary. How did you feel about 76 days and what did you know about it before going into it? Actually, I didn't know much about it other than what you had told me. Um, I, I hadn't really heard of it or anything. Um, I, I'm very curious what the context is. Like, I, I, I wonder if these, and maybe you know this, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, were they filming a different documentary about the medical system in China? Like, what, how did these guys happen to be here with a documentary crew? I, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Um, but what I will assume is that 
the so the documentary begins uh i don't remember the exact date but like january 23rd i think 2020 which is the day that wuhan 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 Wuhan. uh went into lockdown like Mm -hmm. the city of wuhan went into lockdown because of covid and what i what i would assume again this is based on nothing is that the the filmmakers were aware of the of the growing concern surrounding covid and everything and likely decided to start the documentary and that's just when they started it was when it went to lockdown okay that's that's what i would assume um I don't know, but I did uh, to plug the website again. I did write a written review of it on obsessiveviewer.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, just really briefly, um, what I've been doing in the show notes of the episodes is I've been each episode, I've been putting the links to the reviews that Ben and myself write in the interim between episodes of the podcast. So if you go into the show notes of the episodes, uh, you'll see Matt's recent reviews, Ben's recent reviews, um, and you'll see like a list of the links of the basically the reviews that have been posted between the last episode of the podcast posting and the moment I press publish on the podcast that I'm talking into right now. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, check that out in the show notes of the episode. So, um yeah, so this it's it's interesting cuz tiny today at work I was um listening to our podcast <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh there was and I think in Patreon uh, oh yeah, it was in Patreon, one of the Patreon recordings recently. I talked about the documentary 911 um okay. from the pair of French filmmakers and I think a a, a firefighter who they were they were doc they were filming a documentary about um firefighters in New York and 911 happened and they were do- they documented it in real time filming it okay and this documentary 76 days evoked so many memories of that documentary mm-hmm. um because this i mean this entire thing everything that we've gone through since the outbreak happened and and the pandemic started and everything. I mean, like I had, I've talked to Fekus about this. Like it's, we're living through history right now. Right. And like, this is a time that's going to be talked about in history books and is going to be discussed and everything. Like it's a, it's a milestone to, for lack of a better term, um, in the annals of world history, essentially. Right. And on that note, <laughs> I did have the thought today that uh, while I was listening to my own podcast, um, <laughs> I did have the thought that like I kind of like that we have this outlet to document it in the way that we have. Right. Um, but anyway, so this documentary, 76 Days, evoked those feelings of watching the 9-11 documentary. And this just was, in a word, it was just sobering and... Mm-hmm just really really um emotional for me um and the thing that i kind of kept coming back to was that we are now we're recording this october 15th it is it has been seven months since the u.s went into pandemic mode um in early march of 2020 which included uh locking down uh, locking down quarantining social distancing mask wearing um 
just all of these precautions and everything that for some reason, uh, some people don't take seriously, but it has been a turbulent, you know, year and we're in an election year. We're a couple of weeks away from the presidential election of 2020 and the amount of information and misinformation and just scandal and like the amount of stuff that has just come out over the last seven months, both COVID related and not COVID related has been information overload, just draining in every sense of the term. Yeah. And to watch a documentary filmed in Wuhan, Wuhan, um, before, before the virus, came to America and to see the level, like to see what the virus itself did to the population and to see what the med- the, the health, uh, medical health professionals in Wuhan had to do just to, just to keep people alive and to, to, to care for their patients and everything. It's just, it's something that in the seven months since we in the U S have been, you know, living through a pandemic, it's so easy to lose perspective of what it's all about and Mm -hmm. what is going on and what this virus actually does to people and how, how it is essentially. Um, and to, to, that's why I say that watching this documentary is just a sobering, um, just emotional, uh, view. Of it. So, yeah. yeah, sobering is such a good word because um, you know it's, it's it's gotten so lost in the politics. Yes, and and we forget about the human cost and the mm. emotional cost and uh, all of the issues that have arise from this and 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 boil it down to its 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 bare essentials and it's a virus that kills people mm-hmm. and and we've sort of gotten away from that and. Yeah. You know, he can, no no one, none of these doctors or patients were sitting there like, oh, this is all a pandemic or, right. you know, this is, does wearing a mask really do anything? You know, they didn't have time. No. Because like, people were dying. They were, these doctors were sleeping in the hallways. Yes. And didn't leave the hospital for days, probably mm. weeks at a time. You know, they're having food shipped in. They had to turn people away at the yeah. door. Like, it's just... It's it's torturous. Yeah. Like, they literally would not... They could not let patients leave or anything. Right. And just, it... it uh, It's it's heartbreaking. And, mm-hmm. again, it's sobering. And to see the level of precaution that they... That the, that the doctors and the medical staff had to go through. Like, there are shots of them duct taping the gloves to their... To their um, gowns uh what's the word i'm looking for like a jumpsuit basically yeah like a jumpsuit jumpsuit uh kind of thing and like wearing the wearing the masks and face shields and like all of this precautions just to go into a room where patients with covid are and treat them is just it's it's really um puts into perspective uh, how much of an asshole you have to be to <laughs> ignore that, right? The seriousness of of it, um, and everything. And because of all those things you just said, it it also shines a light on how, like the the word the the adjective that came to mind was how literally angelic uh, medical workers are. Oh, absolutely. I I don't know how they 
maintained any form of positivity, mm-hmm. humanity, or empathy throughout mm-hmm. this because it's so, I mean, it's just, it's just disheartening on every level. It really they, is. They had no reason at all to be positive. And mm-hmm. like, in, in particular, that one of the patients they were dealing with, uh, we find out partway through that the patient has dementia. Yeah. And is constantly bothering them frankly like he's going mm-hmm. he's leaving his room which he's they're supposed to stay in the room for quarantine purposes right. you know uh he's constantly leaving his room and walking around trying to get out sometimes he's very nice sometimes he's belligerent mm-hmm. and he's confused all the time he yeah. doesn't understand he's in a pandemic right mm-hmm. and they you know i understand the cameras maybe weren't around sometimes but not one time was any of the medical staff like frustrated or even before they knew that he had dementia Mm -hmm. they were not frustrated or mean or short or terrible with this man they just led him back to his room and 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 put him in there and they were you know they spoke to him and and in a friendly way i mean i i was really amazed by that i i would have lost my patience yeah you know i (laughs) Patience, patience. <laughs> well, wordplay for you. Yeah. Um, well, um, dark wordplay. Yeah, I, um, I totally agree. Like, yeah, it, angelic is the right word. And like, I'll talk. I'll talk briefly, probably after this this review about another documentary at Heartland. But just it's another documentary about the healthcare professions uh, profession and everything, mm-hmm. uh, which I'll talk about later. But just it reminds me of when we reviewed. Um. Uh the the documentary about race car medical staffs. Um, mm, what was that called? What was that called? Um, Premium Rush. <laughs> um. Oh man, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, it was a really good documentary. Yeah, it was great. Um, I'm still really proud of that review that we did. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um. Rapid response. Rapid response. Yeah. So one of the big things about rapid response was like, I like, and, and I felt this way when I watched 76 days and I felt this way when I watched in case of emergency, which is the documentary I was alluding to earlier mm-hmm. is that I, I don't for the life of me, I cannot fathom the, the strength and willpower it takes to do that type of work. Me too. Like, it's just something that I would I've I would never be wired for, um, to, and and I mean that in the highest complimentary way to right. the people who do that. Like I was so affected by this documentary, and in case of emergency, I haven't done this yet, but like I wanted to post on Facebook and just be like, hey, just watch this these documentaries at. Uh, Heartland this year. Just want to say, everyone on my friends list who works in the medical field, and uh, particularly like if anyone is like an emergency emergency department nurse um, or or physician in in that department, like thank you, <laughs> like yeah. you're a freaking superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also had a really trite, like corny thing that I was gonna be like, you know, this year we don't have superhero movies, but we do have superheroes in hospitals. <laughs> um oh, so, but yeah. Um but like and as corny as that is, I kinda mean that kind of sincerely because I don't understand how people can do that. Especially Me too. Yeah. Especially during a pandemic. I right. like the the strength that you find in doing that work is 
is it's out of this world. I almost yeah. said literally out of this world. But <laughs> I have no evidence to back that up. Well, space nurses. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, space nurses coming to Netflix. Copyright obsessive viewer. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, so so this documentary was was just just incredible, and something that we haven't really touched on is the the way that the documentary was filmed. It's completely fly on the wall, um, like Apollo eleven and nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, now seventy six days is just it's completely verite. It's it's like there's no talking heads or anything. It's just documenting the camp. The no narrative structure. No narrative structure, and it just it really engages you and envelops you in this in in this crisis and everything. And it's just really really powerful. And and it's it's wild that despite that that rawness and realness that they achieve so perfectly in the documentary mm-hmm. there are moments or vignettes that are it's 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 almost an example of the truth being stranger than fiction or mm-hmm. um this this is only something that you would think you would see if it were staged i guess yeah but we know that it's not are you saying if it was a pandemic <laughs> <laughs> what i mean is there's a scene where one of the medical professionals is literally has a tub and they're filled with personal belongings yes. from the patients, most notably phones. Mm-hmm. And you can just see, like, there's, like, a lot of these people have, these phones represent people who are probably going to die. Yes, or, or have, have already died. Yeah. And they showed one of the screens of the phone, and there were, like, 37 missed calls. Yeah. And Jesus so, Christ. you know, that just illustrates, like, they're so busy saving lives, mm-hmm. they can't even, like, they're not even worried about informing the families of these people because yeah. they can't. Like yeah. the, the, you have to have priorities, and sorry, mm-hmm. that's not a priority. But to us, you know, the people on the other side of that, that's horrific. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely horrific. And, and and that like like just that scene, it's like you know that's that it it feels like a scene, but it, yeah. it's not a scene. Someone was capturing an actual event. Like this yeah. is this actually happened. That's it's how fucked moment. up this is. Yeah. Um. But it, that that's just how. That's the direness of the situation and, mm-hmm. and how how unique it is. Yeah. And, it, that, that part blew me away. Me too. And I think in that moment they, they say, like, hopefully we can, you know, contact their relatives and everything when we can. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this uncertainty of it. So it's like, obviously, that's not a priority at that moment. And right. it, to be fair, I mean, that's her, a, a that is a horrific circumstance to be in. But it also it makes sense because what would be the use in contacting the relative of someone who's who's passed away when you literally have patients like piling in and and like trying to get through the doors mm-hmm. um, and there's like if you contact the relative like they're not going to be able to come in they're not going right. to be able to come in and claim claim the body or give an identification or like they're not going to be able to do that they're not going to be able to start their grieving process. Right. And, and yeah. And, and I talked to, I mentioned the people not necessarily breaking in the door or anything, but that scene early on where the doctors are letting in patients cause they, they don't like it's, it's overflowing and everything like mm-hmm. there, there's like a, a room or atrium that is off the hallway 
and it's just filled with shoulder to shoulder with with patients who are waiting to be seen mm-hmm. and they they have to close the door on them and they they can only admit you know a certain number at a certain time when when certain availability presents itself and it's just like seeing that is just heartbreaking and and mm-hmm. it is so difficult and to your point it do, it feels like something that you would see in a scripted thing it right. would, it like i hate to make this comparison because it i i don't mean to diminish or 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 lower the importance of of the subject matter of this but it reminded me of a romero zombie movie yeah like there are scenes in his his uh zombie movies um that are exactly like that mm-hmm. like just hordes of of infected people at a door and you know people having to turn them away and it's just it it is just horrific just right yeah uh again fifth or sixth time i've said this it's sobering yeah um right just really really powerful filmmaking and what you know i think one of the to kind of get away from the healthcare side of it and the Mm -hmm. pandemic side of it i think one one of the interesting parts of it is uh Anything that happens in China is politicized because mm-hmm. the uh, they're they're a communist country and they right. still very much so control information mm-hmm. and there are a lot of people who they have a lot of older people um, like half the country is over the age of sixty or something like that Jeez. which by half the country half half the country I mean six hundred million people mm-hmm. um, and those people came up in a time where it was true Chinese communism. Mm -hmm. And so they still have that old way of thinking where it's, you know, loyalty to the motherland kind of thing. And, and, you know, you don't, don't question authority. If you fight back, they're going to shoot you and throw you in a ditch Mm. kind of thing. And, you know, when they say we're going to have a quarantine in China, they mean you're going to have a quarantine and they're going to have guys with guns on the corner, making sure you stay in quarantine. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was just, it was funny. There's not funny, but it was interesting. There were parts where this one of the guys' uh, loyalty to the Communist Party was in question, and he got mm-hmm. really defensive. Yeah, the phone call with the yeah. guy's, like nephew or son or something. Right. Yeah. Right. And and uh, a few of the patients were just so. I feel like because they were on camera, they were they were very positive. Mm-hmm. I can't verify that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not trying to get conspiratorial or anything, but it's like, you know, I've seen other documentaries in, in, uh, uh, that take place in China, like one child mm-hmm. nation. Yeah. Um, and I, and I feel like people are sort of putting on a face mm-hmm. or putting on a show because there's a camera in front of them and you don't speak ill of how things are being handled because they're being handled by the government and you don't, right. you don't speak out against the government, that kind of thing. And I can't, again, I can't verify that. It could just be these people are trying to stay positive or, or whatever, but it's, it's interesting that the backdrop of China being the ground zero for this, it's, it's interesting. That's just an interesting context for this to be in. Yeah. Despite all that, um, you know, the, the, the medical professionals kept talking about people's ID cards and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's not really something that happens here. It's like, yeah, come mm-hmm. on. Well, health, health insurance, right, <laughs> your right. health insurance card, you know, but like, like Canada or the UK, it's like, mm-hmm. come on in, you know, there's no, there's no 
legal stuff. You, they don't care what you right. know, what status, what your status is, right? Yeah. But it's always important in a in a place like China. It's mm-hmm. it's ever important, I guess. China. China. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's Trump. I, I mean, not China, right? Sorry. Um, and, and another thing, Wuhan is—it's a city of 11 million people, right? That's New York. That's yeah. New York City, right? Yeah, which is the biggest city in our in mm-hmm. our country. Well, it's second, but still, like that's New York City or L.A. And just imagine if you know New York or L.A. had been the ground zero for this yeah. pandemic and. It's not even close to the biggest city in China, mm-hmm. and just trying to quarant- just imagine quarantining New York City. Oh, you just, it's it's basically impossible. Which yeah. they fa- China did fail at mm-hmm. quarantining, doing a, a true quarantine of of Wuhan, but they were pretty successful. Now, who knows how they right. went about doing that? I'm not sure. All the you know, I'm there's speculation that they literally had to shoot people and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I, it's all unverified. Like were, I, they control the information, like I said. Yeah. But you know, I I remember seeing videos in the early days of like people being just pulled off the streets and right. put into vans and driven off and everything. Right. Who knows how they achieved it? You yeah. know, uh, that's we may never know mm-hmm. the truth, but I, I think it's safe to assume there was some shady shit going yeah. on and. Some of the deaths weren't were from bullets, not mm-hmm. COVID. You know, right? Um, it's funny because I I just the statement I just said I've seen videos of people being pulled into vans and driven off somewhere <laughs> that could also be can also be attributed to America <laughs> during the protests. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, yeah. The I'm and I'm just I'm so just thrilled that this documentary was sold and is is going to have some kind of distribution. Why yeah, that's a great thing. Yeah. I, cause it's, it's one of those documentaries and like we've, we've gone through a, a run of <sighs> reviews, particularly of documentaries where I'm just like, this is a documentary that needs to be seen. Like mm-hmm. it's something that everyone should see. And I'm so glad that it's going to have that, um, that opportunity. Um, yeah. You know. It's it's so definitive. Like that's what's mm-hmm. great about it. Like we can sit here and bitch back and forth about how we want to approach this pandemic and mm-hmm. how real it really is. Did are all those deaths really attributed to you know yeah. all this bullshit argument we're all going back and forth on mm-hmm. uh, on social media and all that shit. Fuck all that mm-hmm. and just have all those people sit down and watch this. And it's like try. Try, try to have that argument while you're watching this. Right. Try to find some kind of bullshit. Like yeah. everything is just raw right there on the screen. There's no, there's no questioning. There's no controversy. Yeah. This is as real as it gets. Yes. It and is unpoliticized. There's nobody trying to punch up COVID numbers in right. this documentary. There's no, there's no conspiracy here. They right. don't have time for it. Like yeah. it's, this is an emergency. Exactly. And, and that's, that's, I think that's going to be the legacy of this documentary. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you were saying, we're kind of living through history. And I think this is going to be a very poignant piece of it mm-hmm. that people might be watching 50 years from now. Oh, absolutely. You know, and then they'll have this podcast to listen to unless we're all dead in 50 um, years. You know, well, yeah. if we're still here, who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, please vote. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I'm, that's our review of 76 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Before we get to the next review, I just want to just give a shout out to the the documentary In Case of Emergency, which is also screening at Heartland right now. Heartland, by the way, is running until uh, October 18th, so hopefully I'll get this episode posted Friday, so you'll have a couple of days left of Heartland to go through. But In Case of Emergency, I wrote a review of that as well on the website. It is a documentary about emergency department nurses, um, and it is just amazing. It... What's incredible about it is that it was filmed in 2019 and it follows um, a, a like a group or not a group, but um, several different nurses in the in the healthcare system, in the emergency department of, of hospitals. Um, and I think it's mostly hospitals. Hospitals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is like I mean, it goes across the country like there's. People in New England, Kentucky, uh, uh, in the in the Southwest, um, mm. it's just it's all about like across the country essentially. And what is amazing to me is that this was the majority of it was filmed in 2019. However, in light of you know the pandemic, the documentary is framed. Uh, there's a framing device of it where one of the nurses that they that they followed in 2019, they show her at the beginning and end of the of the documentary. They show her in 2020, and basically the documentary begins with her in 2020 sitting on her front porch, drinking a cup of coffee, and looking just exhausted and like it opens with her saying like this is what i do every morning when i'm about to go in it's just this is and it's like she's she's you know emotionally like you can tell just she's just emotionally just exhausted and she says like this is the moment where i i take a moment and you know i think i think uh, uh i think about how uh lucky i am and fortunate i am and everything and I also I sit out here because I I don't want to see I don't want my kids to see me you know break down and cry wow. and everything. It's just like it like that is like the opening scene of the documentary, and then we go throughout the footage filmed in 2019. It's a conventional documentary. It just has talking heads of the of the nurses talking about it, what it's like to be in the emergency department of of uh, an, uh of uh, of a hospital and they talk about they show different different like specialties and everything like um uh, they talk to one nurse who is uh who who does like um like helicopter stuff mm. um like when they when they have to fly out to remote locations to you know a lifeline essentially and it's just like again I don't understand how people who do that kind of work. I don't understand how they're wired to do that and take on that much just stress and that much um, responsibility to react so quickly and make life or death decisions in the moment. Um, but anyway, so so the documentary is is incredible and throughout, like they touch on like the opioid crisis and they talk about how emergency departments are the safety net of our society. And how like it do, it does all of these things, and then the last ten or fifteen or twenty minutes of the documentary goes back to twenty twenty, and it show it follows some of the nurses through like going through the the pandemic, and it is again it is a documentary that provides some much needed perspective on what's going on because you get this juxtaposition of relative normalcy in twenty nineteen. 
as you know the documentary uh, crew is following them throughout 2019, and then you're just gobsmacked by how just different and how aggressive the pandemic and COVID um, stuff has hit these people that you followed in their relative normalcy in 2019. It's just, it's an incredible documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's in case of emergency. Um, yeah. Check it out. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, the next review we're going to do is, by the way, did you get a chance to see in case of emergency? I haven't, no, I haven't okay. watched that one. Are you going to check it out? Sounds like I should. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Nice. Um, so, okay. So the next review we're going to do from Heartland is another documentary. Um, called Belly of the Beast, and the uh, description is when an unlikely duo discovers a pattern of illegal sterilizations in women's prisons, they wage a near-impossible battle against the Department of Corrections. Um, This documentary was directed by Erica Cohn, and it is currently at Heartland Film Festival. So, Tiny, um, it's interesting that this documentary was at heartland and like recently there was a news report that kind of went kind of it kind of a blink and you miss it kind of headline that um there was a report that there were forced sterilizations in the border um facilities Mm -hmm. and everything um i don't know if that was ever corroborated or investigated or anything but just the timeliness of this documentary is is something that uh kind of struck a chord with me when I, when I watched it. Um, were you aware of anything like this in, in terms of the department of corrections and, uh, the corrections system, the prison, prison industrial complex? Uh, I hadn't heard anything about this. No, uh, this was, this was news to me, but, um, if, if this subject interests you, uh, which is a strange, mm-hmm. strange sentence given what we're talking about. But yeah. if, if you're interested in, in the, the, the ails of, uh, you know, the correctional department of the United States, mm-hmm. um, around the United States, um, our friends at We Are Libertarians yeah. podcast several years ago, I want to say five to seven years ago, um, had, uh, a mother and father on the podcast and they spoke about the experience their daughter went through Hmm. and she, she was truly a victim. Her boyfriend, I believe was dealing drugs and the cops, you know, he, he got, he got busted with tons of drugs in the apartment and she kind of got caught up in it and was in jail serving like a five year sentence. And she had a medical condition and basically the doctors kind of basically like drug drugged her to death. Jeez. It, it like to, to hear the the mother and father tell the story. It's absolutely horrific what they mm-hmm. did to her. Um, just just gross negligence uh, on 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 a medical level. And so I sort of became aware of the problem of you know medical treatment in in the correctional facilities around the country uh, mm-hmm. when I heard that episode. And it's I encourage people to go check it out. I wish I could uh, remember the name of the episode and everything. But mm-hmm. if you go to the We Are Libertarians website and you search for it, I'm sure you could find it. It's yeah. it's definitely worth a listen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I have a kind of strong opinions on, on correctional facilities and, mm-hmm. and the nature of what we consider to be justice in the drug war and stuff yeah. like that. And it's one, one thing I always harp on is how so much of the humanity is removed from it. And, yeah. uh, the designation of these inmates as people just goes out the window mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's criminal. 
and as a society we do it and as a department they do it and it's 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 a cultural thing and it's really a shame because we are the most incarcerated country in the world and yeah. it's it's there's so many people who are part of that system or are used to be a part of that system and it still haunts them and mm-hmm. they they they're people they're still people yeah. they're not just animals that we have to lock up they're still people and we have to treat them like it mm-hmm. and this documentary shows that why we need to do that because these women were not treated like people. They were treated like yeah. animals. Um, I think one of the most poignant lines is um, kind of the main woman that we follow. I don't recall her name and yeah. IMDb is failing me right now because they don't have the people listed. Right. Um, I want to mention her first, the, they show footage from her. Um, I guess I, I her deposition. Deposition, yeah. yeah. And like, just when she kind of breaks down when she talks about the abuse that she, sh- she suffered. Yeah. It was just like I was <clears throat> like locked in on that emotional wavelength. It was just really powerful um, and, and really, uh, really heartbreaking. Right. And, and you know, what they, what they focused in on is this is. Uh, they they really stole uh, that that woman. She uh, at some point uses the line that they stole her future. Yeah, she already had a couple children, mm-hmm. but it's like she was young when she got out of prison. She yeah. could have had more kids, and and you know she was a pretty intelligent, fairly mm-hmm. well spoken, and very driven person. Yeah, and like without that record i think she would be very successful i mean mm-hmm. she is successful now she she's like a she became a social worker you know yeah which is hard to do that's hard work and mm-hmm. it's hard to like you have to have a degree for it and it's yeah it's tough and so i mean she's become successful despite all this horror she suffered mm-hmm. uh and and you know i feel like without her record she could have been running some company or something you oh, know absolutely. she's really just a, an incredible person and um I, I think what she drove home for me, I think one of the most poignant parts of the documentary is that one of one of the tenets of womanhood is the ability to bear children, and yeah. and when you rob that from a woman, it's you you essentially rob a piece of her womanhood, and and mm-hmm. it can be absolutely ruinous. And these people were doing it willy-nilly basically I, yeah. I don't know how else to explain it they were ramp it was rampant mm-hmm. in the department of corrections i think they said in a in the span of a decade it was like 1400 women or something like that yeah like an insane amount and the, and, and and one of the disturb one of the most disturbing things is they had a process mm-hmm. for how they perpetrated these crimes they were telling them oh you have like a cyst on your ovary we need yeah. to go and take it out or you have something and they were presenting it as a minor procedure that wasn't going to affect their reproductive abilities mm-hmm. at all meanwhile they were going in and sterilizing them right and that's like they they had said that um if we find cancer in there we we will you know that's perform right. like a hysterectomy right or anything and like one of the uh, i think that the the kind of main subject of the of the documentary like was like a, was describing what was going on and was like, yeah, the, like the reports, there were no, there was no cancer found in there and they mm-hmm. still did it. And like, that's, I mean, that's, that is just despicable. And just, I, it is one of the worst things 
that you can do to another human being mm-hmm. short of killing them outright. Um, because like, like you had mentioned, she, she talked about how they stole her future and it's not, it's not to say that like, okay, women are only here to bear children or anything. It's that their choice, whether or not to, um, you know, have more children or have children, uh, when they, when they're, when they're out of prison is completely robbed of them, like biologically speaking, but, mm-hmm. Also, I mean, I can't imagine it being, I mean, it's hard enough to, uh, like, not to, I don't know how, I'm not, not to say to justify it or anything like that, but like, there's, there are obviously other options to, you know, have children non-biologically, um, but I mean, if you, like, adoption, like, I, someone with a record. Right. Unbelievably difficult. Um, or impossible. If not impossible. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it. It is so, um, just bleak and tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about shit that the Nazis did. Yeah. Exactly. I yeah. mean, this is like yep. like what else do you need to say? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was borderline sanctioned activity by the California Department of Corrections. Right. Yeah. And the, the other disturbing thing is this is California alone. I yeah. think they maybe mentioned a few other states where they found I cases of this think happening. So? But there's 50 states out there and 50 departments of corrections. Right. Who knows if this was common practice around right. the country? I mean, it's who knows? Like I said, yeah. we, we take these people and we dehumanize them and mm-hmm. we short, sort of push them to the fringes of society to where they don't matter anymore mm-hmm. and their voices can't be heard. And if they could be heard, I I think we would all be really disturbed to find out what they went through or or how bad this particular problem is. Absolutely. And like to your point about, you know, the way that the prison system works and the, the correctional, uh, the department of corrections works like the idea, I don't know much about, you know, that side of the, you know, government or anything, but like the idea of like for profit prisons is just Mm -hmm. incredibly insane to me. And, and, horrifying that phrase should not exist exactly yeah Yeah. um and like yeah your point about you know people like it's the idea on paper is that you know prisoners are meant to like they're serving time for things that they did and you know the the idea behind it is to reform them or to you know, that rehabilitate them or, or, you know, any, any of those words essentially, mm-hmm. um, so that they can, they can come out of prison and, you know, you know, ha- live a, uh, a new life essentially. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, you know, that's just something that the world or the country doesn't really do in practice is just tragic and, and, yeah. Right. Um, quick sidebar, um, to use a legal term, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, felons, vo- felon voting rights. Where do you stand on that? Um, they should have, again, that's another phrase that shouldn't exist. Right. I, I, yeah. if, if you're an American citizen and you pay taxes, you should be able to vote. Yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. I, it, I think that should be a federal mandate. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Um, this is not related to Heartland, but on Amazon Prime, there's a documentary called All In the Fight for Democracy. That's, I mean, it's incredible. Uh, I wrote a review of it on obsessedviewer.com. Mm-hmm. But it is about voter suppression and yeah. um, the uh, uh, Stacey Abrams um, is like the central figure figure of it. Um, mm-hmm. She was she ran for governor of Georgia in 2018. Okay. And lost, and it was like, I mean, it was clear, like, voter um, interference and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Kemp is the guy that beat her in the race. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, it just underhanded tactics and just, like, like it's an incredible documentary because it goes through every facet of voter... Um, uh, oh my God! Why suppression, I, suppression. Yes, yeah. um, everything from like from the founding fathers, civil rights era. Mm. Now, um, it's 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 incredible. But one of the parts that it talks about is you know felony convictions taking away voting rights from citizens and everything. And it's something. And I, I'm guilty of you know what we've talked about that. Like I never really considered that. I never really thought about that as a form of voter suppression. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you're right. If you're paying taxes, you should vote. You should mm-hmm. be allowed to vote. You should be able to vote and it should be the easiest thing you can do. Yeah. Um, that's why, yeah. Uh, I always say if, if voting really mattered, it wouldn't be so fucking hard to do it. it exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is sort of a very cynical thing to say, but I, right. it, it's, it's sort of a way to say that, it should not be so fucking hard to vote. Right. I should be, it should be a national holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, we have what, how voting age people who actually vote in this country, it's like 48%. Yeah. Or it may be even worse it, than that. It, I yeah, mean, probably it's, it's sad. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, between just outright apathy and voter suppression and everything mm-hmm. like, um, also that documentary talks about, um, uh, voter role purging and stuff and mm-hmm. all of these other things. But, um, anyway, so yeah, um, belly of the beast, uh, really effective documentary and everything. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. And to your point about, um, the emotional and, and mental toll that it takes, uh, just the prison system takes on inmates and, and people in the, in the prison system. Uh, today, I just I, this is a, was a long time coming for me because this episode dropped in July. But the King cast uh, in July had an episode about the Gunslinger with uh, their guest was Damian Eccles, mm. who was one of the West Memphis Three who uh, spent almost twenty years on death row before walking free. Wow! Um, yeah, and. That was an incredible, incredible interview they did, an incredible nice. episode. Um, cause he talks about how he was, he went, he was in prison and like one of the things that like the trial of the West Memphis three was that like they, like part of the trial was like, oh, well, they like, they like Marilyn Manson and they read Stephen King. So clearly they're, you know, deranged and they murdered, um, and everything. So, one of the things he talked about in that episode, which I, I'll put a link in the show notes, um, was how, um, first of all, the the kind of the kind of whole thing about that is that he's read The Gunslinger like thirty three times. Jeez. Um, 
And like it was one of those things where he read the Dark Tower series in prison, and like he would get books when when they came out and read them and everything. And wow! He read the Gunslinger over and over and over again, and he talked about how when he when he finished the series, it was so effective on him because these are like that was his escape. Like that he was not like reading throughout his prison sentence. Um, was his escape from from the world and everything mm-hmm. from from prison like that was his he was transported into other worlds but my whole point is that he mentioned that a lot of the time he spent in prison was spent in solitary confinement and oh my god yeah yeah and to your point about dehumanizing inmates and everything he talked about how they uh after they were out i think um they like uh his legal team and, 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 um, uh, social workers and everything like brought in, um, like neurologists and doctors and everything. Like one of the leading like doctors about, uh, or that, or that studied, um, concussions and football players. Mm, yeah. And like, they determined that the, the, like the, his time spent in solitary confinement like had adverse effects on his brain chemistry. Like it was similar to suffering concussions and stuff. Um, because because of that. So yeah. So just the inhumanity of, of, you know, the prison system on inmates dehumanizing of them is just, is tragic. I don't know how that does not violate the eighth amendment to the constitution. Yeah. Um, Cruel, unusual punishment. Right. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't get like that. I please someone explain that to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Jeez. Yeah. So, Belly of the Beast. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Really, really effective and uh, thought-provoking documentary. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So that's our review of Belly of the Beast. Yes. Um, I think we're going to kind of wrap up. Uh, first, Tiny, do you want to talk about just briefly like um, any of the other one things that you've seen <laughs> yeah. from Heartland? Um, gosh, what was that one called? Um, uh, when oh, My, my time, time Comes. comes. Uh, that's right. Yeah, documentary. Um, so that, I was very interested in that one because I that's another issue that I'm that I'm like very um I don't want to say militant but very uh adamant about I guess sure. um is f- essentially the right to die right to die um yeah the the description sorry is uh, spurred on by the death of her husband Peabody award winning NPR journalist Diane Rehm uh crosses the country to take a, uh, to take invest to take investigate to investigate the right to die movement in America. It's directed by Joe Fab. Um, yeah. So, so sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so that caught my eye and then I'm, I'm a huge NPR fan. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the only way to put it. And I'm not, I'm not really familiar with Diane Rehm at all, really, mm-hmm. even though she does continue to work apparently for, uh, for NPR mm-hmm. into her eighties. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, but that, so that those two things caught my eye and I just really wanted to, um, 
to explore that more. And and this is a pretty much a, an exclusively Talking Head interview or a yeah, documentary. documentary. Um, but I, that, that's not to its detriment at all. Um, I, I enjoyed it because I think it's a subject that needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's something I believe very vehemently in that people should have access to these drugs and this system to where they can choose when they want to die. I think that's part of, I, I think that's part of what the, uh, what basic human rights are about the right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And mm-hmm. part of life is death and you should have the right to explore or to choose when you want to die. I don't, I don't admit this is an extreme opinion. I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me, but I don't think suicide should be illegal. Right. Honestly, I, I mean, I think it should be, it, it should be something that people talk about and, and someone can, th- there should be the way someone walks into a hospital when they break their leg. Well, that's funny. <laughs> the way someone goes to a hospital when they've been in an accident mm-hmm. should, someone who is suicidal should be able to walk somewhere when they're suicidal and have conversations and be treated for it. And we don't really have that. And, and that's, that's, this sort of folds into that. This isn't necessarily the same thing as suicide. It's, you know, it's, these people are essentially on death's door. It's, it's a different yeah. thing. But I just think this is so obvious to me. Right. That, that people should have this right. And I think it's not to spoil, I'm not going to spoil the documentary, but there's mm. some reasons explored why it's, I think it's obvious, you know? Yeah. Cause it, you're giving people the choice to go that route if they want yeah. to. You're not forcing them to, no one's putting a gun to their head, you know, literally. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's about choice. Mm-hmm. It's about, it's about choice, which is what freedom is about. It's a synonym for freedom. I say that all right. the time. Choice and freedom are synonyms of one another. Um, and so that's why I felt really, feel so adamantly about this. And this documentary explored that fairly well. It's a little dry sometimes. Yeah. But I think how how can you know th- there's there's people in this documentary who are about to die, frankly, right? And and to to hear their experience is pretty special, I think. And and that's that's the good part of the documentary I really focused on. Yeah, um, yeah, I I agree. I watched it. I I wasn't um, as keen on it as you were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was more just like the kind of dryness and everything. The subject matter I found interesting and yeah. Um, I my views on it align with the views of the documentary um closely and your views as well. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it 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 was it was good. Yeah. Nice. Um all right, well, yeah, I gave my recommendation of in case of emergency and uh I think should that do it for this episode of the obsessive viewer? I believe so. All right. Well, uh yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us on this first of hopefully knock on wood three heartland episodes um that we'll be pushing out um in hopefully quick succession um over the coming days so sweet um so yeah so yeah uh thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time thanks guys And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. But yeah. I'm glad we went there. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I, um...
I haven't posted this on Twitter or anything, but I was going to say that in the five years I've had pizza, um, five years in December, the amount of times that I've said that this ex- quote unquote exchange has happened in my apartment <laughs> is astronomical. But <laughs> hey, pizza, you're you're so precious. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to be based on a novel pushed by Sapphire. <laughs> have i never said that to you uh probably (laughs) and i probably suppressed it (laughs) Uh. but i don't want to be based on a novel pushed by sapphire Uh. oh boy yeah yeah hi patreon (laughs) (laughs) oh my god jesus christ the Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to ObsessiveViewer.com slash OV archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer and at Obsessive Tiny. And follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White, that's me, at R.A. Feckus and at Burger underscore Lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!